Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. The love doctor is in. Have a seat. Tell me how I can help you. We fight fair. We, we kind of set down some ground rules probably in the first couple of years that we were married, that we would not fight in public. I don't remember the ground rules. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, that was one. We wouldn't fight we in wouldn't, public. That's a ground rule. Yeah. We try not to ever bring up anything in the past. We don't want, you know, if there's an argument today, we deal with the argument today. We never walk away during fights. We don't let it go. I mean, if we've got an issue or a problem, we have to settle it right then and there. When a person walks away, that tells the other person, like, this, this isn't worth it to me. I'm not willing to stay here and invest my time in making it right. We might be arguing and fighting, but I still, I, you know, I love you and I want to work this out. Listen to each other and respect each other enough to know that they have feelings and an opinion and it's important to them, I think. In a marriage, you're constantly thinking about what can I do for him? And he's constantly thinking about me, what can I do for her? Putting ourselves, you know, kind of second when it comes to each other. We'll start to get upset about something and then we're like, really, on the grand scheme of things, this is really a big deal. All right, ding, 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 it is on. I want to welcome you to uh, Love Doctor. My name is Pastor Tim. And can we give a big welcome to those of us joining us in New Brunswick and Nutley, our brothers and sisters. We love you guys. Soon to be Mountainside, launching our fourth campus very soon. Excited about that. And uh, today's going to be fun. Um, I got a lot of great feedback from last week's message that we started this series with a very provocative premise, and that is, you married the wrong person. We actually said, if we're honest, anyone who's been married more than a month will have to admit to actually thinking this at some point, you know, maybe he's not helping around the house enough, or she's not into sex as much as you would like, and, and you end up wondering, did I marry the wrong person? Um, that's a fear for a lot of single people, and, and the only people exempt from this truth typically are newlyweds, okay? And uh, last week was kind of funny. I have to apologize because here in Morristown, there's a young couple, Chuck and Amanda, who were literally married a week ago. And, uh, and they came back from their honeymoon and attended church on Sunday. <laughs> they sat in the second row, and the first message they hear as newlyweds is, you married the wrong person. <laughs> it's a fun, I apologize to that. Uh, you, you'll, they'll understand after a month, you know, they'll get it. Um, but if, also, if you're single, hang in there. I, someone came up to me last week. I totally get this. Um, she's a single gal, and she goes, you know, I, I hate these relationship series, you know. They're hard for me. I really struggle with this. And, and you know, I, I, people say that. Singles, I'm going to challenge you not to tune out, not to say, you know, well, I'll see you in three weeks. You know, I'm, I'm just going to read Lamentations by myself. You know, that's just kind of... <laughs> Um, th- this has broader application to relationships in general, and in fact, we'll probably, maybe you tuck this away, because there's going to be certain moments here where you realize, like, oh my goodness, um, this is going to help me understand what would be compatible uh, in, in a spouse. But this is liberating to admit you married the wrong person, because it acknowledges that our culture's quest for the perfect partner uh, you know, kind of misses the point of marriage completely. Um, in many ways, according to the Bible, none of us are compatible, okay? Nobody is, all right? We are all sinners. It means we have all flaws, we have weaknesses, we have broken habits that make marriage very difficult. But if you acknowledge this truth that, in a sense, you always are with the wrong person, that you're the wrong person, then you can be set free to love your imperfect partner with all your imperfect strength 
and rely on God to fill in the gaps. And because that's what Christian marriage is about. It's not about asking your partner to play God and meet all your demands and you complete me. Christian marriage is meant to reflect the gospel. That's what we learned last week, this good news, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So, so marriage is not about finding somebody with perfection. It's finding people with faults while we're still sinners and loving them anyway. It's about self-sacrifice, learning to serve and forgive your spouse the way that Christ came to earth to serve us and then to forgive us and then give his life for us because that's the point of relationships. We're supposed to imitate Christ. So that's the truth, that marriage reflects the gospel and without the gospel, marriage won't work. But we still have this problem. In every marriage, there are still two sinners who bring to the table these flaws and these habits and and these quirks that make uh, conflict inevitable. And that's why I brought these boxing gloves this morning. Thank you for that. A quick show of hands. Let me get this on here. I actually borrowed this from, 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 a, from, from the gym where I, I hang out a little bit. And, uh, and they're like, what are you using for? I was like, church. And I go, oh, great. Okay. Uh, so raise your hand if you're married. Raise your hand if you're married. Okay, awesome. Because you've joined an elite club. You're, the club that you're part of is called Fight Club. Okay? I, we got it. All right. <laughs> uh, every single person in this room will inevitably have these Fights and arguments and and disagreements, experience teaches this. The Bible actually confirms it. In fact, a first century letter that was written by James, this is the half-brother of Jesus, he actually asks this question. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that what? Battle within you. You desire but can't get what you want. So what do you do? You say it together quarrel and fight. That's one of the things I love about the Bible. It is very honest. It is down to earth about real relationships. Anybody here today, by the way, who's married, who has never had a fight? Never had a fight? Okay, because I was going to throw you out of the church for lying. You can't lie in church. That's ridiculous, okay? You are officially a member of Fight Club. Um, You guys remember this movie with Brad Pitt? We got it. Okay, we got the the bells. Thank you. Sound effect there. you guys remember that movie with Brad Pitt? What's the first rule of Fight Club? There, there is a Fight Club, okay? That's for me is the rule. Uh, all couples will have these fights and quarrels, as James says. Nobody is immune. And a lot of couples, I've heard couples brag, they're like, oh, we've been married 30 years. We have never had even a tiff. I just go, you are lying through your teeth. Because the reality is, when two sinners who love each other, if, they, if there's passion, they come together, and these two people trying to become one, there's bound to be this friction, this battle that... James is talking about what causes fights and quarrels among you. Personally speaking, Colleen and I, we were married for about, um, what was it, sweetheart, 10 months before the gloves came off. Um, Our first fight that we had, I referred to as the spaghetti incident. Um, It's embarrassing. I've I've mentioned this a couple times, but as I told you last week, when we were first married, Colleen was working long hours in New York City to establish her corporate career. I was teaching high school English, and so my classes would end like 3.15. I'd get home around 4.30 with all this extra time. And she'd get off the train at like 7 o'clock at night, bone tired, that whole thing. And, and, and so I had these two hours to myself, no kids, no dog yet. And I said, and she said, that's fine, do whatever you like, but just do two things for me. If you could just make sure there's nothing in the kitchen sink when I get home, put, put the dishes away. And then nothing on the, on the, on the, on the table, because we had this dining room table where I stacks of mail, you got stacks, all right, the whole thing. So when she gets home, she can do dinner. So I tried to do this the best. But one spring around 5 o'clock, my buddy, my, my friend John, calls me. And he goes, dude, it's a gorgeous day outside. You want to go mountain biking? And I know Colleen's coming home. And I looked at the dishes in the sink, the mail on the table, and my mountain bike in the garage. And I prayed for about two seconds. And, uh, and I went biking. 
you know, just left everything just totally destroyed. And, and, and a couple hours later, uh, she gets home and she opens the door and all the dishes are in the sink, all this stuff piled on the table. And the problem was she brought her girlfriend home from the train with her, okay? The gal she sits with on the train, which is very bad because now calls like she opens the door. She's like, oh, you know, closes the door. Because now she's very embarrassed because the home's a reflection of her heart and, you know, as, as, a, as a woman. And so I get home from biking just about the same time, and I'm covered in mud. I've had the most amazing afternoon, and she sort of looks cranked, so I give her a kiss. Hey, you know, nothing's wrong. Classic man moment. Uh, but I could tell she was upset because it was Wednesday, and that means it was spaghetti night. And she, I'd never heard somebody make spaghetti this loud. You know, like banging the pots together and clanging in a dish, pretty aggressive, like not saying a word. And so I sat down and figured, I know I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be a spiritual leader. I'll take the high road. Hey, let's pray, sweetheart. Lord, thank you for the beautiful home you've given us that it doesn't matter if it's dirty because <laughs> it's full of love. And, uh, oh, I can be devious with this whole thing. And, uh, and she's real quiet. And so, and so she said, and I, I was like, you know, what's wrong? You know, and her eyes are sort of welling. And she goes, she's, she goes, I asked you to do two things, and you completely blew me off. And I was just like shocked. Like, what, what do you mean? I was like, sweetheart, there's more to life than, you know, a clean house. And I will never forget her response because she was twirling her spaghetti. She's, she's Italian, right? She's twirling the spaghetti, and she stops. And she points her fork at me, and she said, if, if I asked you to do two things, I would never blow them off. And then, and then to add emphasis, she said, never blow them off, and flicked her fork at me. And we were having pasta with red sauce that night. So when she flicked it, a little marinara hit me in the left eye and a little on my shirt, and I was like, oh, what's going on here? I said, you know what, don't, uh, sweetheart, don't flick your fork at me. And she said, actually, I can flick my fork whenever I like it. It's my fork, and if I want to flick it, I'll flick it. You know, kind of thing. And, and I don't know what quite happened, but something snapped in me. I had never had my buttons pushed precisely this way. And this is embarrassing, I, just to be honest with you. But I looked down at my plate of noodles, which my loving bride had prepared, and I thrust my hand into it. And I held up a handful. I go, you think flicking is funny? Yeah? I was like, how would you like it if I flick this at you? And she goes, go ahead. I'll just add to the mess you always leave around here. And I want to tell you as your pastor, I took a deep breath. I said, Lord, just fill me with the spirit. But we are in a church and I can't lie to you. And so like any good Christian husband who still has a little left in his pitching arm from wiffle ball, uh, I actually let that handful of pasta fly. And it went over her shoulder, mister, hit the back window, like the shotgun blast noodles and started... And she looked at that, looked at me, looked back, and did the worst thing possible. She goes, <laughs> she starts laughing at me, which totally cranked me even worse. I was seething. I snapped, I sinned, I threw spaghetti, okay? In zero to five minutes, I was convinced that my beautiful bride was my mortal enemy. That was our first fight. And I, can t- I tell you that story every couple of years so that you never get the idea that your pastor is anything but a sinner, okay? People sometimes put you on pedestal. We're ordinary people. We've had our battles. And I have repented, all right? God has convicted me. I've never thrown spaghetti since. I've, I, now I only toss linguine. You know, there's very... Now listen, if you're good this morning, if you, if you dial in, I'm going to invite Colleen on stage. Would you like to hear her side of the story? Who would like to hear from my wife? You want to hear from her? She's sitting right here, all right? So lean in. Because today's big idea is that to make love last, you must what? Say it together. You must fight fair. That's the secret. 
that Colleen and I have learned, now that we've been married 15 years, we have learned how to fight fair because there are rules to fight club. And that's what I want to talk about today. We're going to look at God's kind of guidelines and establish the biblical rules for how couples can fight fair. Because guess what? How you fight is what's decisive in your marriage. It's not if you fight, rather how you fight. You may have heard of Dr. John Gottman. He is our nation's foremost researcher on marriage. He's a professor uh, emeritus of psychology at the University of Washington. He spent 40 years studying, studying thousands of couples, thousands of couples in, his, in his, the media calls it his love lab. Uh, they hooked them up with all the controls, and they, they observed how couples navigate conflict and how they fought and made up. And what is incredible is that Dr. Gottman can watch any couple fight for five minutes and determine with 91% accuracy whether they'll divorce. 91% accuracy. It's incredible. And I've heard Gottman speak, and he actually says it's very, very easy. He said, couples who eventually break up, who don't fight, they don't fight fair. They fight dirty. They use low, low blows. And he kind of highlights these four knockout punches that allow him to predict divorce accurately. If you're taking notes, I listed these in your notes today. The first is criticism, okay? Couples who split they, it, there's a difference between complaint and criticism. In other words, a complaint is, hey, you, you didn't take the garbage out like I asked. Criticism is, you never help around here. What is wrong with you? Are you deaf? I've asked you this a million times. In other words, it takes the specific problem and globalizes it and makes your partner feel like they got a personality defect. Low blow number one. Number two, contempt. When you treat your spouse with rolling your eyes, you know, calling them names, disgust, using sarcasm with her or him. Last week after service, it was kind of funny. True story. Some, I appreciate this. When he came up to me, very sincere. And, and the woman said, she goes, hey, this is all great, but what if my husband isn't a Christian? He's, he's not into this, the, the church thing. He's not into the Jesus thing. He's like anti-Christ. And then she goes, I don't mean like he's the anti-Christ. <laughs> and then she paused and she goes, but he may be related. You know, it's like kind of this moment, you know, contempt is when you, 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 you call your, your spouse names or you roll your eyes at him or her. Um, and, and Gottman says it's like sulfuric acid for love. It corrodes the relationship and destroys any chance of reconciliation and increases hostility. Low blow number two. Low blow number three, Gottman says, is defensiveness. The problem isn't me. The problem is you, right? That, 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 wait, you didn't, uh, sweetheart, you didn't um, mail the bill in on time? We just got a late fee. You didn't, that's because you didn't make the deposit like I told you. It's refusing to ever take responsibility for your issue, and you just deflect it to the other. Well, that's because you didn't do this. We go tit for tat, defensiveness. And then the fourth one is stonewalling. In other words, in a relationship, when it gets heated or amped up, and the other one just kind of tunes out, you're talking, I am not listening. I am not here. I'm on another planet right now. 85% of men, 85% of all stonewallers in relationships are actually the husbands, are men. Some, and some of you are like, well, of course, men are just kind of like that. It's not true. It's what happens is, is when it gets amped up and the guy doesn't know what to do because he's going to you know, get, get upset about this. And so he sits there and the woman just like, da, 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 and he just kind of stares at the TV. And he's like, are you even listening to me? And he's say, what he's saying to himself is he's saying, don't say anything. You'll only get in more trouble. 10 minutes until the game starts, and then she can't touch you. That's what, he is, that's what he's hearing and saying to himself. Now, look at these. Does anybody see these in themselves, okay? I've seen all of them in our relationship. Criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Dr. Gottman says those are the four kind of knockout punches that allow him to predict divorce with 91% accuracy. Couples with these, these actual patterns are typically, on average, they get divorced 5.6 uh, years after the wedding. 
And the reason is, is because when you're dating, when you're dating, listen up, singles, we tend to overlook our, our, our partner's flaws. But then once we're married, we, we, we kind of amplify them, right? We minimize them in dating, but then we amplify them. They're like, they're always like this. I didn't realize I got a problem. And all couples do this all the time. So, so don't jump off a cliff for a minute, okay? I realize this moment, some of you are like, oh my gosh, last week I realized I married the wrong person. <laughs> uh, now I realize we're going to get divorced. Everybody does this, okay? <laughs> and it's a, if, but, but Godman's like, if I see these low blows repeatedly on how couples navigate conflict, I know they may not make it. And it's funny because Dr. Gottman is Jewish, and he actually uh, quotes the, the Christian, uh, the New Testament. He says, I call these the four horsemen of the apocalypse, if I see these in your relationship, then you know the end of days is near. <laughs> and the point is, every single one of us knows naturally how to fight dirty. <laughs> and James says, that's because we have this sin nature. You want your own way, but you don't get it. And that's why you need a new model. Because if you're going to make love last, you must learn how to fight fair. Healthy couples don't fight dirty. They fight clean and they follow certain rules. And here's what James lays out. He doesn't just say, he doesn't leave us hanging. He says, this is terrible. Stop it, you sinners. He gives us three specific rules for fighting fair. They're outlined in chapter one of James. So you can just flip there uh, in your notes here. James chapter one, verses 19 or, or, or verse 19. Just look at this. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. You read the word in red, right? Everybody should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. These are God's three rules for fight club. You can actually see James outline them in order here if you're taking notes. And the first is this, everybody needs to learn to listen. That's the first one, okay? You got, listening is very hard. One of my biggest complaints in, in, in beefs to Colleen is that she's always on her cell phone, you know? You, you might have it the opposite way. Like, are you listening to me? Are you on that phone? We'll be driving, and I'll be telling, you know, the story or sharing the day, and I'll get to the good part, and I'm like, why aren't you laughing? That's funny. And she's like, oh, oh, I'm, you know, oh, sorry, I'm on the phone. I'm like, you're not even on the phone. You know, you're texting with your friend. She's like, oh, no, I'm not texting. Instagram, you know, it's, it's very upsetting to me because technology makes us more connected than ever, but it presents all these sort of challenges. Um, I think we talk at each other more than ever, but the question is, is anyone really listening? We have a flat tire. How do I tie a bow tie again? What's the fastest way to Hartford Hospital? Tell my wife I'm going to be 30 minutes late. Tell my husband I'm not surprised. Tell my wife if she has a problem with my work schedule, she's more than welcome to get a job of her own. Tell my husband that I do just as much work as he does. Tell my wife that if watching Ellen is a job, she should get a promotion. Message from your husband. I appreciate you. What did he actually say? Siri, call my husband. Siri, ignore the call from my wife. Tell my husband that he said he'd respect my choice to stay at home with our child. Tell my wife I would, but she can't even get around to washing his overalls. Did you want me to search for flower shops nearby? Ask my husband what he means by that. Tell my wife I think she knows. Hey, look. I googled anger management techniques. Tell my husband to think very carefully before he says whatever he's about to say. Tell my wife that's not an answer. Is this my fault? Tell my husband that I will not answer that. Searching for a place to hide. Tell him. Please don't make me. Do it. Send my wife directions to hell. (laughs) Say goodbye to the most amazing iPhone yet. Couples. Put down the phone, okay? Turn off the TV. You both need to learn to actually listen. And this is very hard because when you're in a fight or a quarrel, most people want to be heard. They want to be understood 
rather than seek to understand their spouse. And that's how the little conflicts flare into these major forest fires. Uh, Colleen and I had that happen actually last week. I was the, the guilty party. Um, I was sitting at our kitchen table. I'm having coffee, and Colleen pulls up a chair, and totally innocent. She just goes, hey, it's honey. So it's spring, and I was thinking we should fix up the backyard. That's a reasonable request, right? You know, fix up the backyard, spring. And she goes, so I got this booklet. And she slides it, this brochure across to me. Now, I just want to hold this up. I don't know if you can see this. It says, you know, excellence and passion in estate lawns, you know, or whatever. And I immediately get defensive because I'm like, we don't live in an estate, okay? But I play along, and I open it up, and there's these, like, waterfalls, and there's, like, fire pits, you know, and reflecting pools. And I'm, like, I'm like looking through this, and so I go, oh, yeah, this is great. Uh, there's a European fail to these conical topiaries. I'm like, what are you talking about? You want to put, like, a koi pond, you know, on our driveway? Like, what are you talking you know, about? We live on a postage stamp, a 32-cent postage stamp, like 1980s, this little, you know, this little thing. And I'm like, this is New Jersey. What, this, what do you think this is, Downton Abbey? We live, in the, you know. And I start going like this, and she goes, no, no, I'm, I'm just kind of looking for ideas, you know, how we could clean up the yard and fix it up. And she, I'm like, you're going to clean out my bank account is what you're going to do, okay? No. And I could see just for a moment, this kind of, she's like this hurt look in her eyes, and she takes a book and she goes, okay, fine, forget it. Forget I even mentioned it. I'm like, okay, good. Maybe she won't bring it up again. Now just stop for a minute. Because what I realized, and I'm preparing this message, right? <laughs> and God preaches to me, hey. And I realized that's my default reaction on a lot of stuff. My wife just wanted to do something nice, you know, with the backyard. But now, what's my goal? Is I'm, I just want to save money, right? And so I start with an insult. What is this, Downton Abbey? <laughs> Criticism, <laughs> mockery. What, you think you're too big for your bridges? I start with this accusation. I insinuate. It's like maybe you don't care about money when reality is she actually does the checkbook in our home and knows more than I do. Um, and then I just ignore it. I stone while I hope it goes away. I hope she doesn't mention this again. I act disinterested. Just hope it goes away. And what's really crazy, like a lot of guys, is I get actually a little defensive because it's weird. I don't, for me, I don't know. This is like a button or something for me. When it comes to a lot of this home stuff, for some reasons, I hear this as criticism that I need to hire another guy to do this because you can't. And I'm like, I'm like, give me a hundred bucks. I will go to Home Depot. I will fix this whole thing, you know. <laughs> and next thing I'm at a Home Depot, and I'm like upsell. I'm like, I think we should get a koi pond. I think this should happen. You know, it would be amazing. And so I'm thinking about this, like, what does this mean, God, to learn to listen? It was like God gave me a gift because I paused and realized my wife's heart, she just wants to beautify her house. And that's a wonderful thing. Colleen is very elegant. We don't have a big house. It's very actually small. It is a postage stamp. But she's an elegant homemaker. She makes it very comfortable and an elegant place to live, just like her. And so I went back to her. I said, honey, I got to apologize. I said, I didn't mean, I didn't, I didn't mean to belittle you about this whole thing. Walk me through it. Tell me what you had in mind. I, I want to listen. And she was like, what are you doing? You know, at first she's hesitant because, you know, because she knows, right? You know, and so she starts going through the pages and she shows me this, this little patty. She goes, I don't want to do all the, you know, the big waterfalls and fire pits, obviously. She goes, but you're always talking about how crowded it is in our, in our house. You know, the kids are all over you. And I thought we could have like a little hideaway, you know, two chairs right behind for you and me behind the garage. It'll be like our little love nest. You know, we can, it's crazy. We can escape just you and me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like an idiot because she was thinking of me, for, you know, for this project. And what I learned about this is crucial, especially for you men, because in practical terms, what does it mean to learn to listen? It means you hear her heart. Can we say this, men? Ready? Hear her heart. That was more like, uh, uh, uh. you're not doing better than that, man. Let's say it. Come on. Hear her heart. Okay. Don't immediately critique. 
or defend. Most times a girl just wants to share her heart. It's her dreams or passions with you. And your job is simply to listen, to draw it out. It's not to defend or ask, how much money is this going to take? Lean in, listen, hear her heart. And that means you ask questions like, so, you know, tell me what you're thinking. Tell me more. So, so are you, you mean like two chairs? How would that work? Like if she's upset, you know, don't get defensive. You can say, you know what? I understand why you feel that way. Because as a servant of your wife, like Christ loved the church, your first job is to seek to understand, not just to be understood. You will get your say. But for now, James says, what's the first rule of Fight Club? Brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everybody should be what? Quick to listen, number one rule. Second rule, slow to speak. So first, give her your ear, and then tame your tongue. Everybody open up, turn your name and go, ah. Who knows what the most powerful muscle in your body is? It's this, Okay. Pound for pound, the tongue is the most powerful muscle in your body, and it is in your marriage too. It can inflict the most damage uh, on your relationship. James goes into great detail, expands this out in chapter 3. Don't have time, but the highlights say, James goes, the tongue, small part of the body, it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue's also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts your body, and it sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Whoa, your tongue? Yeah. No human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of what? Say it together. Deadly poison. In a fight with your partner, you can inflict more damage with this than anything else. With your tongue, you can poison your relationship. You actually have the power to diffuse an argument or fan the flames and just escalate it. You want crazy? I'll show you crazy, right? That whole thing. Men and women, we both have to learn to tame our tongue. And so that's what I'm going to do right now, okay? I'm going to stop talking, and I'm going to invite my wife, Colleen, up here to give her side of the story. Would you give a, wi- a hand to my wife, Colleen? Hey, sweetheart. Hi. This, is, this is so kind of her. This is extremely uh, generous. I just want to thank you on, on my behalf. Um, because Colleen is, you know, my long-suffering wife, Colleen. I stand up here and I tell these stories every week. You're a good sport about it. I'm happy to be here. It's a little interesting that he wants me here after he preached about marrying the wrong person. <laughs> he wants you all to see who the wrong person is. So, I was like, I, was like, I can't just stand up here. I think people would, would love to hear your perspective as a woman, as, as, as my wife. And, um, and here's the thing I want to talk about because it was interesting. Dr. Gottman says, you know what the number one thing is that couples fight about? What's the number one conflict issue? Money, no. Anyone? Sex, no. He says the number one thing couples fight about, nothing. Nothing. It's actually the little things that accumulate over time that cause the biggest division. That's our pattern. Yeah, for sure. We are big on fighting on nothing, and our big nothing is actually garbage and recycling. Does Uh, anybody understand this, ladies? Anybody relating? Recycling Recycling. is the bane of my existence, okay? I... I'm sorry, all the green people are going to be mad, okay? Green, tree huggers have ruined my life. I'm like, you, know, you bag up, you know, cut up the cardboard and all that. I hate yes, it. Yes, yes. And see, I work so hard because I'm a rule follower. So That's I true. need to break down every cereal box, every <laughs> tissue box, yeah. every commingled yeah. item. Like, yeah. I am separating all day long, every day, our I'm recycling. Like, I'm like, they are totally playing you. Because I know they throw it all in one big landfill and just, like, pave it over. I, I'm serious. <laughs> Because yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I, no, this, this is, is your story because you don't put it out. And so he tells himself this to feel better. No, that's not true. It is I really true. feel that. It's true. So, so, anyway.
anyway, we've had this problem for quite Not a while. Good. I have to say this is our recurring fight about nothing. Yes. And, um, you know, normally the way it happens is I'll get upset. It'll, uh, Tim, can you please put the recycling out? And you, you have to understand, Tim, like, okay, honey, I, you know, he'll want to. And he's like 50,000 leagues under the sea when he's at home. Like, he's constantly got a message in his mind, and you don't quite know if he's there or tracking with you. And he's like, yeah, sure, honey, I'll, I'll go do that. And he walks, and he's probably halfway outdoors, and then a butterfly goes by. And he, who knows? There goes Tim. Recycling's not out. Not out. Now she's so, picking on my ADD. Anyway, Thanks for that. I appreciate That's a low blow, man. Anyway, um, it was funny because I have to say it was totally the spirit of God. This one time, we are falling into our regular recycling tiff. And um, I was doing this Bible study with my ladies, and it was all about making love a verb. And so normally when Tim starts, you know, not doing the recycling, I start seeing everything else that he doesn't do. Like, has anybody ever had this? Where it just, everything becomes amplified. Like, he never puts his plate in the sink. He never picks the newspaper up from the bathroom. You know, like all these things. That's and, a low uh, blow. That's yeah. a low blow. Yeah. So he just, it's all amplified in my head. But because I'm trying to make love a verb, I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to go there. God's spirit is helping me. And so I approached him in a very loving manner. Good. That's true. And I just said, hey, honey, um, listen, I, I know we missed it last week. And now we basically have a garbage dump in the back of our house. It. Because um, here's the thing, like, the, the, you can get recycling. It's crazy in our town. It's like it's Tuesday and Thursday, but on Tuesday it's only commingled, and Thursday it's cardboard, and it's all confusing to me. I got like so much going on, and so she put it in my Google Cal. Well, yeah, and I was so it comes up on my phone. Curve. It's I'm like to, you today know. is green glass. I'm, it's, and I'm like, what, what are you talking about? You know, I get a reminder. Like, Screw yeah. all of that. It comes I, up I, as a text. Just, honestly, <laughs> it's true. So I approached him very lovingly. I snuggled in, (laughs) put my head on his shoulder, told him how happy I am to be married to him, which is true. It was uh, very disorienting, actually. (laughs) And then I said, honey, do you think you can take out the recycling? And it was funny because I have to say it did break our normal cycle. That's true. And Tim's response, it was was really interesting for me. Like I feel like after 15 years I'm I'm still learning, and I learned a lot because he kind of like – you know, stood up tall and was like, yes, I'm going to do this for you. I really, I like what sincere. she's doing. I like I, this snuggle business. I am going to go do the recycling. It's true. Right. It's true. Cause but, it, it changed like from the nagging thing to like, right. she's assuming the best about right. me. She's showing kindness. Yes. We're doing, yes, yeah, I it can was do good. this. It was good. It was good until I he got outside way. and then got distracted and somehow the recycling didn't go out. So, I hate to drag this out, but truly this happened three or four times. Uh, the same recycling. It's not like this is different weeks. It's the same pile of recycling. And um, we got to this point where I, I could tell that he really, really wanted to do it. but I did. I really it did. just was not happening. And I couldn't for the life of me figure out what is going on here. So one day I went upstairs, and he was in our bedroom doing the message, and he's laid out on the bed. He's got books everywhere, all sorts of sermon notes, pens. He's deep, deep, deep in thought. And I just said, honey, I I need to ask you something. I know that you really, really want to put out the recycling. Like, I can truly see in your eyes that you do, that you want to please me, but yet it doesn't, like, it doesn't happen. And I said, can you... 
can you tell me what it is? Why, like, what's going on? Just help me understand. And Tim, oh my goodness. Okay, first of all, he looked like he was five years old. He looked up at me, looked absolutely adorable, but he had these huge eyes. And he, he's like, he's down in his thought, and he looks up, and it, the eyes open, and he looks at me in the eyes, and he goes, it was Satan. <laughs> okay, I'm not making it up. True story. True story. I, I think... <laughs> it felt very true at the time. <laughs> What, what was... <laughs> thank you for that. Okay. I didn't, I didn't know it was going to go like this. All right. Um, honestly, it is, it's funny because that is an example, though, of how Colleen very graciously interrupted one of the patterns in our marriage. Because typically, then she's nagging me, and then it's like, didn't you see your eye count? And then, and then my assistant goes, hey, you're supposed to take out recycling. And I'm like, ah, now I got two you know, women telling me about recycling. And, um, and it goes round and round like this, and it gets crazy, and then it becomes undiscussable, all of that. But what you did, by assuming the best, you chose trust over suspicion, saying, I know you really want to do this. I really was like, yes, why don't, why? It was like heaping hot coals on my head, you know? It's like that we talk about in the Bible. And of course, you know, and so went out and did all that, and it's just a, a little thing. But it's very interesting, because the way that Colleen has kind of shown me grace has helped me really understand, actually, what... Love is, because it's not about like, oh, are we feeling romantic? It's actually in these little moments, these conflicts. And so what, Colleen, I wanted to just share with you with our time remaining are five rules of the ring that we have established in our marriage and home that keep us kind of fighting fair. Um, in your notes, they're under rules of the ring, and they actually all come from Ephesians chapter 4. And the first one is this. The first thing is never say never. Um, in the heat of battle, it is very easy to generalize and make these sweeping statements. You didn't do the recycling again. You actually never do the recycling. I'm always the one who does everything around here. We amp it up. And what happens there is it shifts the blame from complaints. Here's the specific problem. We got an issue with the recycling to the person. The problem isn't the recycling. The problem is you. And it attacks their character. Um, in Ephesians 4 verse 25, it says, each of you has to put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. And the words never and always are never true. <laughs> you never help me put the kids to bed. You're always late. You're never on time. Really? Never? Never is never true, and they always add gas to a fight. Second thing is we never actually call names. It's about attacking the problem, not attacking your partner. Yeah. For us, this isn't a huge struggle. No, this isn't one of our buttons, but I, we've been out with couples, and it's uncomfortable, like where the wife will be sitting there telling stories, and I'm sure that she's doing it in jest. I don't know, but calling her husband an idiot in front of us, and yeah, it's awkward, it just, yeah. it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Not a great thing. You've had that, be- and that's the number one language of disrespect, when you publicly air your grievances with your spouse in, in public. Um, Ephesians says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Not just talking about, like, don't say the F word. It's, it says, only what is helpful to building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit. That's your job, is to build your partner up in Christ. So that's a big, a big issue for us, um, but we've been out with couples who do this. Um, you know, he's, my husband's so cheap, or she's da 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 And those things are devastating because they communicate contempt, exactly what Gottman's talking about. Um, I don't know if this counts, but this was kind of funny. Last week, uh, I was talking with a, a, a guy here at Liquid, and as we're talking, his phone uh, rings, and his ringtone is the Darth Vader theme. It goes, do, 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 and he goes, oh, hold on a minute. Hey, sweetheart. 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, we're talking about relationships. He's like, no, 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 no. yeah, okay, no, 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 okay, yeah, what's up? I go, is that your wife? He goes, oh, yeah, it's okay. She doesn't know what her ringtone is. And I was like, oh, gosh, you know, you got it. Yeah, okay, won't use names. All right, hey, never raise your voice. This one is significant. How are we doing on this? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, um, well, <laughs> hmm. I thought he was bringing me up here to expose him, not up here to expose myself. But I am Italian and so you're Irish. You're Italian. You are Italian. It you know, there's little, like that difference. It could be a little fiery mix yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I would struggle with this one, I say. But the great thing is, I mean, yes, it might be big and loud, but it never comes up again. Yeah. Ever again. It's very it's interesting. It's done. That was our num- Remember I told you about the foo factor, foo family of origin last week? I'm Dutch. I never heard my parents raise their voice. When you get angry, you get quieter and quieter as the other person gets crazier and crazier. And, and I would always, when we had conflicts, I would, oh, early in our marriage, I would walk away because she's starting to get loud now, and this is happening. And Tim, are you even listening? And I'm like, I married a crazy person. And, I, and so I would go to my corner because that's what a man of, of integrity does. I don't want to engage here. Yeah, but the only problem is that when you do that, I'm like, hey, you listening? You, you hear? See, that's called picking so a fight. So I keep poking. That's you know, I keep fight, amping right? it up because I want to make sure he's engaged in what's going on here. Guys, we don't have this problem, right? <laughs> if it's just two guys and a guy goes, hey, hey, what's next? <laughs> Bam, right? That's guys. And so when a guy walks away, it's stonewalling, but he's actually doing it sometimes out of, out of the right thing. We're working on this. It's in process. All yes. right. Yes. Rule number four, uh, never get historical. Had a guy say to me one time, the problem with my wife is that when she gets upset, she gets historical. And I was like, you mean hysterical? No, historical. She brings up the past. Six years ago, you did the same thing. You remember at the picnic? This is the fourth time you've been, you know, this month. You know, last week you just did this. Remember the time you did this? If you want to fight fair, according to the Bible, you never get historical. Mm-hmm. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Now watch. Forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. How did Christ forgive you? You know what the Bible says? He takes your sin and he moves as far as the east is from the west. He casts our sin to the bottom of the ocean and remembers them no more. Aren't you glad Jesus isn't historical? That he doesn't count your past sins against you? This is why Jesus said to his followers, how, long, how often we have, do we have to forgive all the time, Jesus? He's like, you've got to forgive 70 times 7. In other words, there should be this ongoing spirit of repentance, realizing I'm going to step on her toes. I'm going to have to ask her forgiveness continually. It's not always like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But just assume that I've got deficits here. Corinthians, they read this at weddings all the time. Love keeps no record of wrongs. There are a lot of couples out there with a scorecard, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of tit for tat. Well, you did this and I did that. I was like, I don't keep a scorecard of wrongs. Sometimes I keep a scorecard of rights, (laughs) right? Yes. Where, Where I'm like, I know I didn't do the recycling, but sweetheart, okay, a lot of husbands... When they come home, they don't play with the kids, and they don't, da, 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 and I start making my case, right? And it moves it into that kind he of He does. He throws you all under the bus. I just want you to know. Sorry, guys. He's I like, I don't travel like so-and-so. Okay. I'm home right, for then, right, dinner. <laughs> so that, uh, <laughs> I won't cut you off. So you <laughs> Last one. No, rule number five of the ring. Never threaten divorce. Mm. That's a hard line for us. Yeah, it's right? definitely a that. hard line for us. Um, my entire family is divorced uh, several times over. And yeah. sadly, if it was a sport, we'd have lots and lots of medals. Yeah. Um, but this is one line in the sand for us. We've never, ever had a fight or ever. It's the D word. We just don't. Yeah, we don't bring it up because bring it you know in. what? That, we're not going to drop the D bomb. That's just not an option for us. 
It's not an option for us as Christ followers. We know that God hates divorce. No condemnation or judgment for those of you who have suffered through that. You know firsthand, like Colleen's family does, just the hurt and the heartache that brings. We hope this can be a place of healing for you. But we're like, you know what? We're going to actually, in Jesus' power and strength, we're going to put that dysfunction ahead of us and draw a new line for our kids and our generation. So we don't bring that up. That's not something that we just drop casually. Like, you know what? Why don't you try being off alone? See how that works. We don't never do that. That's just not, a, not an option. And the reality is Colleen steps over a lot. Uh, honestly, guys, that's one of the reasons that I'm able to pastor this church um, is because of the unconditional love and patience that Colleen shows me and the grace that she exudes and, you know, just the, uh, I think you're adorable, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> right? Can we hear it from my wife? She's amazing. I thank you. You're an amazing woman. You're an amazing woman. Okay, here's the, the final rule of Fight Club, just because I know some of you need to fill in the last one. We're running out of time. It is this. It's control your anger. That's the third thing James mentions. He says, slow to become angry. Um, this gets expanded in Ephesians 4. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Powerful verse because you see three things here. Look at this. First off, notice that anger is not sin. Did you know that? Anger, feeling anger is not sin. Getting angry is not sinful. Anger is typically a surface response to a deeper feeling of loneliness, abandonment, rejection, hurt, frustration, whatever. So being angry is not a sin. The Bible's like, you do well to be angry. But it's what you do with your anger that's decisive. Do you control it or does it control you? And and this is significant here because Christian couples are no different than ordinary couples. It says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. In other words, don't go extra rounds, okay? If you have a battle that lasts more than 24 hours, you go to bed angry with your spouse, you're going to wake up with the devil the next morning, okay? That's what, that's what it's saying. That's how I know Colleen is, is angry at me. This is so funny because you know this. When we get in bed, if she's still angry at me, she, she does this one. She gives me the butt. She just goes, mm, kind of sticks her, <laughs> rolls over on this side. There's like this invisible, oh right? Gosh. I have 20 shades of red. Yes. It's totally yes, true. It is true. <laughs> and then there's this like invisible force field and like, you know, if my foot just happens to touch her toe, she's like, oh no, no, you know, you're not, you're getting nothing. We're not even playing footsie here, you know, it's kind of, it's just kind of, but we've learned, we got to resolve this thing and, and, and just kind of let this go before we go to bed. You got to stop the fight because listen, last, last big idea. Someone needs to hear this. You can win the argument, but you will lose your spouse. You can spend your entire life fighting to be right, but you will actually lose his or her heart. You may come out on top, but you will wind up utterly alone. You may stay married, but you won't have a lover. You'll have a roommate, okay? Mm -hmm. This is key, guys, because your spouse is not the enemy. Don't give a foothold to who? Your wife. No. (laughs) The devil. Your spouse is never the enemy. It really is in some ways. Mm -hmm. The the devil, the, the Bible says your battle isn't against flesh and blood but against the rulers and powers in the spiritual realms. And God wants you to fight him together. In the middle of an argument, for us, it's been very powerful sometimes, and we can't fight our way out of a paper bag. We'll hit the pause button, and we'll pray together. Yeah, although I hate when Tim does that, because if you're in the middle of a fight, the first person to say, let's pray, automatically (laughs) just won the fight. (laughs) And he pulls this quite a bit. And, you know, it's it's very hard, because you truly cannot pray while you're angry. I don't know if you've ever tried. But there's a couple of times where I've wanted to, like, hold on to the fight because I've still been upset. And you, you know, dear Lord, please help Tim with his terrible ways, you know? <laughs> right, and, right. And the truth yes. is, you can't stay angry while you're praying. You just can't. Yeah, so, you can't. Trump card. It's not a Trump card. It <laughs> is. It's just Trump card. <laughs> you, just, you try, try it. Let it. me know. You'll see. <laughs> the question is, why, do, why does the devil love to attack Christian marriages in particular? 
because it's a reflection of Christ in the church. So if he can get you throwing punches and, and hitting each other, trading cheap shots, people look at your marriage and they don't see Jesus. They're like, what difference does Jesus make? The reality is Christian couples are no different than ordinary couples. We are going to fight like every other couple, but the only difference is our commitment to fight fair and respect God's rules of the ring. So just listen to this. Conflicts are natural. Disagreements are inevitable. But to make love last, can we say it together? You must fight fair. That's why you need the Holy Spirit. That's why you need God. James says no no man can tame the tongue, but the Holy Spirit can. Remember this. Marriage reflects the gospel, and without the gospel, marriage won't work. And the gospel is all about us receiving the grace and forgiveness of Christ and then lavishing that on our spouse, forgiving her, excusing him, loving him even when he acts like a sinner because he is a sinner. And remember this. When God forgives, he doesn't get historical. He wipes out our past. He says, you know what? I did that last week, but this is a new week, new day, fresh hope. So if you've had hurts in your relationship, God can heal them. If you're like, I can't get out of this rut, you can't. But the Holy Spirit can help you and can give you hope because he's given that to us. So here's my challenge this morning. I'll leave you with this thought. Um, if you are married, um, my guess is um, you recognized yourself at some point this morning. I saw a lot of head nodding, um, jabbing. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Resist the temptation to walk out of here and say, well, that was an amazing message. How did you feel about the whole raising your voice thing? <laughs> you know, like, because, <laughs> right, you will have missed it. If you're like, she needs to hear this or he needs to work on that, pick one thing and focus on yourself. Bring it up with your spouse and say, you know, I realize at times I, that's totally me. I get so critical of you. I can be, con- I didn't realize that. Or, or, you know what, I'm the stonewaller. I'm so sorry. I, I tune you out sometimes. And you know what? Be honest. If that's, your, if that's you, confess your sin. You repent of that. You turn a new way. Ask forgiveness from your spouse and then ask forgiveness from God and for his help. That's why it says be kind and compassionate. You can't do this. But you can forgive each other just as Christ forgave you with the Holy Spirit's strength. So maybe that's what you need to do this morning. Maybe you need to be the first to actually walk out of here. You get to the car and, you know, be all, be all smiley. We'll shake your hand. Um, but in that car, say, you know what? That's, God spoke to me. I'm the one who's wrong. And I'm sorry for this. And I want to start in a new way and invite Christ into that. So let me do this. I want to, I want to pray for us. All our campuses, would you bow your heads and join Colleen and I? Why don't we both pray, Colleen, just okay. for the, the couples here? Um, Father God, I just ask you right now just to flood this room, uh, Lord, with a sense of your grace, your love for us while we're sinners. Father, you're still working on us. You're not done, Lord, with marriages here. You're not done with relationships. Thank you for not being done with me and my wife, Colleen. I I praise you, Lord, for my wife. Um, Colleen is a gift to me and to our church. And I just ask your blessing on her, on all um, the spouses, Lord, in this room. I ask your, your blessing right now on all single folks, Lord, who are seeking to be married, divorced folks who are healing Father, we want to be a place um, of grace, and we know there are no perfect marriages, and there are no perfect people allowed, even in this church, but we serve a perfect Savior, and your grace is sufficient for us. So right now, I just pray an anointing, a pouring out of your Holy Spirit on the people in this room. Father, I just pray that you would um, continue to work in our hearts this week as this message resonates and soaks deep inside. I pray that you would... um, Teach us how to fight fair, Lord. Teach us how to serve and sacrifice for one another, even when we don't feel like it. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.